Okay? Yeah, I think so. Uh, this Christmas actually feels a little bit different to me. Uh, as you know, COVID kind of wiped out Christmas last year, and we have been kind of reeling with uh, things not being quite as normal. And so this Christmas is special in that sense that uh, we are gathered together, continuing to praise God. And in looking ahead, uh, for me, it's a bit emotional, as I think this will very well be my last Christmas uh, as your lead pastor. And 37 years, will be 38 next year, years in ministry. Uh, that's a long time, and that's a lot of Christmases. A lot of Christmases. It's kind of sad for me, but I'm really excited for a rise. Really excited for a rise. I'm anticipating change for me, change for you, change for us. But I'm really anticipating great things from God. That anticipation won't fail. So uh, we're talking again this morning about anticipation. What is anticipation anyway? If you have sermon notes, uh, you are welcome to follow along. If you need sermon notes, uh, would you kindly slip your hand up? And this is Jeff Clapp. Can you say hi to Jeff this morning? Hey, Jeff. Jeff. Yeah, Uh, he'll be glad to get you some sermon notes. All right, so uh, we're going to kind of a dictionary definition to get us started uh, this morning. Anticipation is to realize beforehand, foretaste, or foresee. Now, uh, understand you can anticipate good things. Some of you right now are anticipating some bad things. Yeah. Isn't that the way life works? Uh, we anticipate, but anticipation is not always positive. We can also anticipate negative kinds of things because life is filled with both. It means to expect, to look forward to, to be sure of, and as Miko mentioned, to hope for. Now, last week, Sam kind of kicked this off and he reminded us, and I think rightfully so, the original meaning of the term anticipation. Anticipation includes the idea of action and preparation. So we're not sitting on our hands anticipating Uh, We're not just kind of daydreaming. It includes action and preparation for what is to come. Because if we're looking forward to something happening, right, (laughs) we just don't wait for it. We're actively involved in moving in that direction. Now, as believers and followers of Jesus, uh, we wait on Him. But waiting on the Lord is never, ever inactive. Are you aware of that? Waiting on the Lord is never, never inactive. In fact, uh, how does this work then? If, in fact, uh, I'm waiting and I'm supposed to be active, well, let me put it to you this way. If you are waiting on the Lord in this period of time in your life, you go back to the last time you clearly heard from God and continue to do what he has invited you into until he gives you the next invitation. So waiting on God is never a time of inactivity. Rather, it's a time of anticipating. Okay? Everybody clear with that? Questions? Understand? Okay? Good. So thanks, Sam, for clarifying that. We anticipate all the time. If you are a teen, you are anticipating right now turning 16, getting your driver's license, that whole sense of freedom that comes with, woohoo, I got my driver's license. And soon enough, you'll realize that driver's license doesn't exactly mean freedom. It means taking care of your car, putting gas in it, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, anyway, we anticipate all the time. Some of us are anticipating growing older gracefully. 
So we're on the other end of the spectrum. We want to grow older gracefully. Some of us are anticipating a white Christmas. Some of you are anticipating spring and summer already because you're sick of the cold. And we haven't got there yet. Right? What is this with 50s next week? Come on. Wow. Wow. So... Some of us right now are enjoying what's for lunch in about 90 minutes. You're keeping an eye on the clock there, and uh, we'll get you there hopefully right on time. Uh, maybe you are anticipating your lunch break at work this week. Huh. So what are you anticipating in the coming months? What are you anticipating in 2022? How do we anticipate in a biblical sense? And this is where Mary is going to teach us, I think, some very, very valuable lessons this morning. Now, experts tell us a healthy dose of anticipation can actually help energize our lives because we're not caught in the moment necessarily in the circumstances that seem to be weighing us down, but we know that there's something beyond this. Anticipation can help energize our lives and even help us through the tough times through the stressful times, and we know about those, don't we? We have to anticipate something beyond that. Huh. How does that look? So let's turn the clock back to a village in first century Israel to see how anticipation played out in the life of a young girl named Mary. Mary's life was ordinary in every way up to this point. Uh, from our understanding, this Jewish teenager was pledged to be married to a carpenter. What was the carpenter's name? Okay, you know the story, right? She certainly was anticipating a joyous wedding celebration because Jewish weddings are just a crazy uh, fun time, right? She's surely anticipating having children, raising a family with Joseph, growing old with him. But like you and me, life didn't quite go the way she anticipated. So here is this Jewish teenager, and all of a sudden, life's about to be turned upside down and inside out. Oh boy, here we go. Here's what it sounds like from the Word of God. I'm reading to you from Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bibles and like to follow along or your sermon notes or your electronic device, however you get there, just do it. Here, are, here we go. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused, disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He'll be very great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Now, for those of us who have been around this story, for any length of time, this can get old and familiar, but I hope it isn't for you today. Okay? Angels didn't make appointments in those days. Angels still don't make appointments today. Do you believe that angels are around? I hope that you do, because Scripture certainly teaches that there is angelic activity around us continually. There are fallen angels. The Bible calls those what? Demons. And there are holy or elect angels. 
well, there's three classes of angels, but that's not the lesson for today, Don, right? Yes, yeah. There are three classes of angels given in Scripture, uh, but I believe that there are angels all around. I do. What does the word angel mean? Bonus coverage here, not in the notes. Ooh, ooh. What does the word angel mean? Messenger. Who said that? Ah, Linda. Very good. Yes. The word angel is literally a messenger. This happens to be a messenger from God. This one was named Gabriel. Gabriel. There's only a couple of angels mentioned by name. I'll give you some more bonus coverage. There are never any female angels mentioned in Scripture, although angels, when portrayed today, are very feminine-looking. But there are no female angels mentioned in Scripture. And it doesn't mean there's not. I'm just saying the Scriptural evidence says, mentions male angels. So that's kind of interesting. But that's not where we are today. So Gabriel's unexpected visit and surreal announcement stunned and shocked her. What? What? What, what? She would be a pregnant virgin. Put those two terms together. A pregnant virgin. Pregnant virgin. Well, an unmarried girl like Mary, who would become pregnant outside of marriage, was in deep trouble. Unless the father agreed to marry her, she would anticipate remaining unmarried in a very shameful condition for the rest of her life. Not good. She would be shamed, she would be mocked, she would be rejected. We would use the term bullied today for the rest of her existence. If her own father and family rejected her, she would then be forced into begging and or prostitution in order just to survive and provide for her baby. That was the culture in which Mary found herself. Add to this the story of being pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and she is gone. She is off her rocker. Oh, yeah, the Holy Spirit, right? Now, imagine if you were Joseph Austin. What would you say about that? <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yet in this one very critical moment in all of human history, Mary released her anticipation her anticipation of how her life would go and accepted God's invitation to join him in something absolutely spectacular. Now, God hasn't changed. The world's situation hasn't changed. He's still at work. And in Mary's response, there was no hesitation, no fear, no, oh, Gabriel, can you give me a couple of weeks to pray about this and I'll get back to you, which you never do because i got to ask you then, have you prayed about this and are you willing to accept the invitation? Right? None of this Christian stuff that we do, right? Oh, let me pray about that. It's super spiritual, right? Let me pray about this, right? Yeah, okay. So the, the idea being, right, she responded instantly. Responded instantly. Now, she's got Gabriel standing in front of her. I get that. It's a little bit different, okay? And we can picture that in our mind's eye. But there's no hesitation. I'm amazed at Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. She had no clue about what was going to happen to her. No clue at all. But she was willing to obey and make herself available to God's invitation. Yes, Lord, I'm here. Do what you want. Now, there are times when I want the whole picture. I want everything laid out before I sign on the dotted line and say, Yes, God. I'm in. I accept your invitation. 
But I have to know all the details first. Like, how's this going to work? How's that going to work? Uh, before I'm going to offer myself to you, God, as your humble servant, uh, show me how all this plays out. Because I can't figure this out. I don't know how this is all going to work itself. And no, Mary instantly said, I'm the Lord's servant. Just do it. Just do it. Humble Mary teaches us a better way. And Mary's life reveals how we can turn our anticipation of the way we think our life's going to go, supposed to go, into God's invitation to join him on an absolutely incredible journey into the impossible. Huh. That wasn't just true for Mary. That's true for everyone in this room. Every follower of Jesus is invited into a journey into the impossible. So let's continue to unpackage this just for a moment. Mary's anticipation of how her life would be played out was shattered in a moment. She had to give up all of her dreams. I'm going to have this great wedding with Joseph. We're going to have babies. We're going to grow old together. Blah, 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 right? So she's anticipating this kind of life. It's all crumbles in one moment. And you know how that works. One call, that's all. Right? And suddenly, our whole world is turned upside down. Some of you have got that call in the last couple of weeks. And you know the pain that comes from that call, don't you? All of a sudden, our anticipation of how life should play out is gone. It's in that one call, that one medical report, that one moment of distraction, that one moment in time that changes everything, that one moment in life pivots at that point. And now what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Everything changes. Mary was now on an impossible mission, one she had never anticipated. She didn't sign up for it, but she was invited into it. Now, how many of us are feeling overwhelmed by the demands and pressures of life? In fact, our anticipation is like, ooh, I see darkness, and it's getting darker, and things are getting more troublesome, and my life is not going the way that I had anticipated, and so we're kind of stuck here. Are we facing something or someone that is just too big for us? It is too big for us. I can't do this. I can't do this. Have we given an assignment, been given an assignment? Have we been given a challenge that is just way over the top? It's way over our head. We didn't sign up for this. Neither did Mary. You're not alone. Mary was given this impossible mission by God himself, a pregnant virgin who delivers, raises the Son of God. Yeah, okay. Now, motherhood is a painful privilege, even for a pregnant virgin. Motherhood. Guys, I think here's where the women have it all over us. You see, they can talk about the most gruesome delivery details without even flinching. All the stories they tell, right? Every mother has a story to share, and even those who are not moms know someone who is, and certainly each delivery is unique. Every mom is different. I was there for the birth of each of my five children. It's a powerful, powerful moment. And John, you mentioned last week the moment of death. There's just nothing like the moment of birth, that first breath, and the last breath in their bookends. And what are we going to do in between there? Is the, what are we anticipating, right? Right? Huh. According to Guinness Book of Records, the greatest officially recorded number of children born to one woman is 
Take a guess. One woman delivered this many children. Just go ahead, throw out a number. 10, 12. Okay, you're all... No, the Duggars got smoked on this one, right? All right, come on, throw out a number and I'll laugh with you. 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, 25, she had 16 pairs of twins, seven sets of triplets, four sets of quadruplets. 67 of the children survived infancy of the 69. I'm just tired of thinking about this. I, I, no, that's, that's, no, I can't go there. Okay. The longest recorded pregnancy goes to Beulah Hunter. She's in America, right? This was 1945 documented. How long do you think her pregnancy lasted? Go ahead. Take your best shot. Three days? days? No. (laughs) That would be a miracle. (laughs) Take a guess. I'll give you the answer. 15 months and 20 days. Yeah. And that's a guy saying, oh, my goodness. Right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Ouch. That hurts. The Bible also records some amazing and spectacular births that I think are even more amazing than the Guinness Book. Sarah was barren for nearly 90 years, and she laughed at the thought of having a child. I'm way too old for this kind of stuff, right? And then came Isaac. Manoah's wife was infertile, but God had other plans. She gave birth to a guy by the name of Samson, uh-huh, who turned a lion inside out. He killed a thousand men in hand-to-hand combat, and with his bare hands pulled down an entire temple around him. Huh. Hannah, an incredible woman, was such a nurturing mother's heart. Read 1 Samuel again. Fantastic. Was humiliated and crushed because she couldn't bear children, but God heard her plea, her cry, opened her womb, and the great prophet Samuel was born. We'll fast forward. Elizabeth, Mary's cousin that we're talking about, was barren. She was old too. But by God's power, she gave birth to John the baptizer, who Jesus said was the greatest individual born of a woman. Yet the virgin birth of Jesus Christ is far more spectacular than any of that. Any of that, right? So, through Mary, the anticipation of the long-awaited Messiah would come. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child written over 600 years before by Isaiah. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And centuries later, the Apostle Paul would write in the book of Galatians 4.4, When the time was right, God sent his son, and a woman gave birth to him. The course of all of history changed in a moment when Mary let go. She had to let go in order of her anticipation. This is the way I have my life going. Come on now. Come on, Gabriel. And accept God's invitation into his plan which was much different than Mary's plan. And maybe the course, maybe, just maybe, the course of your life is about to change because of an invitation God will make to you. And it'll change everything. The question is, what will we do with our anticipation, our plans for our life, the way we want it to go? What will we do with our anticipation 
as we look forward. Huh. Now, Mary had the unique privilege of being mother to the Son of God. Some nine months later, she would deliver him in a stable cave. And three decades later, she would watch him take his last breath when he said, It is finished. He arrived as her firstborn son and departed as her savior. Humble Mary, accepting God's invitation into the spectacular. Now, Mary had three cultural strikes against her. She was young, she was poor, she was female. Jewish culture, not going to happen. From the outside looking in, all these characteristics would make her totally unusable for any great mission for God. He'd never choose someone like that. Yet God chose Mary for one of the most important tasks that he ever asked of anyone in all of history. Son of God. Sometimes we may feel that our ability, our life experience, our past, our personality, our age, our looks, our education, or whatever it is you fill in that blank with is making us an unlikely candidate for God to ever use and I'm telling you think again think again think again here's some things I've learned from Mary firstly God's greatest servants are often ordinary people with some open dates on their calendar now for just a moment take a look at the people around you would you consider them fairly ordinary Yeah, you're right, Don. That's a set-up question. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you're looking at an ordinary person. Yeah. God's looking for some ordinary people with a real willingness to surrender their anticipated plans to Him and listen for His invitation. That's what He's looking for in this moment. Not superstars. He's got enough of those. He's looking for some ordinary people with some open dates and a heart that's willing. Secondly, when God speaks, he reveals what he's going to do, not what he wants us to do for him. God doesn't need me. God doesn't need you. God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need our time. God doesn't need us in any way, shape, or form. But he invites us and he chooses us to partner with him and come and be a part of something absolutely incredible to change the world. And so as we think about this, when God speaks, he reveals what he's going to do. And I was just talking to Brenda Reiskatel this morning. And understand when God speaks, oftentimes he uses your name. That was a great quote. What was that quote, Sam, last week? I really love that quote. devil knows your name but calls you by your sin God knows your sin but calls you by your name isn't that good and God's calling your name he's inviting us into something absolutely incredible and he uses our name to do that he wants that level of personal relationship with us he's not using us he's inviting us into something great and he loves you and he wants to include you in that plan and so listen for his voice and it's not like your angry dad yelling at you it's like your loving father 
calling you, inviting you into something really cool, right? Right? What he is he inviting you into? What is he inviting us as a congregation into? We have the anticipation of moving in a few weeks into our new facility. We have the anticipation of some new neighbors, of some new things that God's going to do. Oh, I'm filled with anticipation about this. Anyway, number three, when God invites us to join him, what he asks of us always requires faith, right? Always requires faith. Without faith, Hebrews eleven six says, it's impossible to please God. And yet Jesus would turn right around and said, with as much as a mustard seed of faith, what will happen? You can tell this mountain, be cast into the sea. Just a little tiny bit of it. But it always requires faith. God is not going to invite us into the ordinary. God is going to invite us into the extraordinary. That's the way that he works, right? That's the way that he works. It will always require faith. Because if it didn't require faith, you could do it on your own. Right? So it's well beyond. Just ask Mary, a pregnant virgin. How's this going to happen? How's this going to work? Trust me, God says. Number four, we can confidently accept the invite from God because God will bring it to pass. It's not on our shoulders. It's not on our pocketbook. It's not on our strength. It's not on our intelligence. It's not on our looks. It's all about Him completing the mission. It's His mission. He invites us into that with Him. Right? So it takes the pressure off. Right? And isn't following God like that? When I begin to surrender my life to Him and the things in my life to Him, I say, God, you gave me that car. You fix it when it's broken down. You provide for that because that's your car that you gave me as a gift. It's not on me to, to, to worry and fret about that. That's a matter of trusting him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure no one in Nazareth ever anticipated Mary being used so mightily of God. And maybe in your life right now, no one in your family No one in your place of work, no one in your neighborhood, no one in your circle of friends would ever anticipate you could impact eternity. You? Me? Huh? What? No one would anticipate that. That's the way they, I'm sure, looked at Mary, and many of us feel that way right now. God could use me? Yes. Yes, yes, what are we anticipating? Now, my response to the interruption of what I anticipated tells me a lot about myself and my understanding of God. This is very, very important. What happens when your anticipated plans go out the window? You get crabby, frustrated, grumpy, angry, sad, depressed, or all the above like me, right? But our response to that moment when God interrupts our lives tells me a lot about my relationship with Him and my understanding of Him. 
Because often we'll blame God. No, I can't do that. Why not? No, 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 no. I've got these plans, God. I've got all these plans, right? I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Don't interrupt these plans. They're great plans. In fact, I want you to bless my plans. Oh, dear God, bless my plans. Rather than surrendering, saying, dear God, show me your plan so that I can join you. And watch what you can do with somebody ordinary. Wow. And so what's your understanding of God? Don would lead us in singing. God, you are who you say you are. You'll do what you say you'll do. Right? But I question God in those moments. What are you doing, God? What are you doing? I don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. Can I trust him? Can I believe him? Yeah. So let's look one last time at Mary's amazing response. I am the Lord's servant, and I am willing to do whatever God wants. That is a statement of bold, complete surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Not as a little baby in a manger, but the King of kings and the Lord of lords who holds all things, all things in his hands. Your plans, your anticipation, your future. And he's inviting us. He's inviting us. He's inviting us. What is he saying? This is a teenager making that statement. Oh, May Mary, did you know that your baby boy? Nah, you didn't know. But Mary wasn't about to abandon or abort her baby. Instead, she believed God for the impossible in that moment. And she raised Jesus with his siblings. She saw him die, murdered on a cross. And she was there praying in the upper room after the resurrection when he appeared to her. An ordinary girl with great faith. You know what? I'm looking forward to meeting Mary one day in heaven. i got some questions for her. How'd you do that? That was amazing, Mary. That was amazing. But I need to follow her example right now. Not wait till I get to heaven. So the idea being our anticipation. Can we say, I am the Lord's servant. I am willing to do whatever the Lord Wants. Whew, that is a radical, radical statement. And I don't know where you are with God this morning. But this is really powerful stuff. This is the essence of our faith. Am I willing to surrender everything to God? Ordinary Mary became mighty Mary in the plan of God. Utterly every day was she, yet so strong in the Lord, by simply saying yes to an invite from God. What is God saying to you? What is God inviting us into? Can we anticipate God doing the impossible in us and then through us? to a world that desperately needs to see his love. Are we ready and waiting for a God-sized invitation?
You see, this, my friends, to me, is the real miracle of Christmas. God's invitation. Surrendering of our anticipation. And watching him do what only God can do. Brenda, can you put that slide back up there? I am the Lord's servant and I am willing to do whatever God wants. Now, I am absolutely convinced that God is speaking to all those who call upon him in truth and with a hungry heart. Now, I'd like us all, as we conclude, to look at this. Put your own name in there. Take that personal pronoun, I, out. Put your own name in there. Is that statement true of me? Am I willing to do whatever God wants? This is not easy, friends. This is a surrender. And if we're not willing, he knows that. Just ask him to help you. God, make me willing. And sometimes God does that gently, and sometimes it's not so gentle to make us willing to surrender to him. But I'm asking, what does he put his finger on right now? that we're hanging on to, that is inviting us, say, let go of your anticipation. Let it go. Trust me. I'm inviting you into something incredible. Just trust me. Oh, God, help us. Help us as individuals, as families, and as a church family. Let's read that together, church, shall we? I am the Lord's servant, and I am willing to do whatever he wants. One more time. I am the Lord's servant, and I am willing to do whatever he wants. Would you pray with me? Father, throughout my years, you bring me again and again to a crossroads, to a why in the journey, in the path, a fork in the road. And you ask me these kinds of questions. And you're asking me again, John, are you willing? Are you willing to do Whatever I want you to do. Oh, it's scary and it's hard and I want answers first. And Jesus, I need your help to to even say those words. But would you visit us with an invitation into the impossible? Oh God, speak. I believe your servants are listening. 
Listen for your voice. Your Father loves so much. And He's speaking to us out of that love. I am the Lord's servant and I am willing to do whatever God wants. Lord, be born in my heart again today by faith. Not in your coming as a baby, but bursting forth from that tomb, alive, powerful, the King of Kings. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us, this bunch of ordinary people sitting in churches across this community and across the globe. Bunches of ordinary people surrendering again, saying yes to your invitation. Help us, Lord. Help us. And we'll thank you together for the difference that this will make, our surrender. Holy Spirit, come, fill us. Amen. Amen.